Hello everyone, Nano Taggart here. This is the second episode in the Play On podcast during the off-season here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. We have the pleasure of speaking to one of the festival's most enthusiastic and inspiring administrators, Michael Don Barr. We also want to mention part of what made us think to bring Michael Barr onto the podcast this week was a fantastic response we received from a listener of the podcast, and we're going to discuss that in just a minute. We love your feedback. If we make a mistake, don't hesitate to let us know and help us improve. Michael Don Barr has been the education director here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival for 15 years. He's been a theater teacher for many years in Utah and California, as well as an adjunct faculty member here at Southern Utah University in both theater and education, where he also graduated with his degree in theater arts. Michael has been recognized through various outstanding teacher awards and served on many state educational committees, including Arts Works for Kids, Arts Fusion, the Utah State Office of Education Theater Advisory Board, and he's also been a founding board member of two theater companies. I'm joined here today with Michael Barr, Education Director of the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Hi, Michael. Good morning. How are you? Good I'm afternoon. Well, good afternoon. I don't know what time good, we're listening good something. to this. It all moves so fast. It could be it? usually the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. true. <laughs> it all feels the same at but this it is, point. But it is morning. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to um, speak a little bit about the previous podcast we had with Scott Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Michael Barr, put me in touch with a wonderful person named Paul Fowler. Yes. The Education Director at yes. Utah Symphony, Utah Opera. A kindred spirit. Uh, very much so. And we've become fast friends. Uh, she reached out to us uh, because I kind of spoke out of my ear about yeah. opera in the previous podcast. Yeah. Uh, I, I spewed some ignorance for which I would like to apologize. And I'd like to give Paula some credit in initiating my opera education. Well, and first of all, I, I was thrilled when she responded because I Paula Fowler is listening to our podcast. I know. It I was over away. the moon because she's, uh, first of all, an articulate, wonderful education director for yeah. the Utah Opera. And uh, so it got me really excited that this yeah. uh, institution, this podcast that we're creating to educate. Uh-huh. Um, and I think what you spoke, uh, I think we're in exactly the same boat uh, public perception-wise. People yeah. uh, see Shakespeare as elitist. Um, and I think what you were saying with your comment is there is an assumed perce- perception, which is not correct. Yes. That, uh, that opera is uh, elitist. And uh, we know that both Shakespeare and opera and, quite frankly, all art forms, we can get into that. We can talk about absolutely. that as we go through yeah, here. We want to open the door to everybody. Right? Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, know that th- those are for all. But what was really wonderful is uh, the dialogue, uh, the email that we Got, and we're going to do a future podcast, right? Yes, I'm looking right. forward to doing a, a podcast centered on arts education, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with you and Paula, and uh, you know, maybe we can gather a few other uh, oh, I, I, arts education folks I into the mix. Many, many arts educators that would you know gladly sit behind these microphones and awesome <laughs> and bang the drum, awesome. Uh, talk about what we have to do. Very cool. Uh, and uh, and there's, I mean, I think you should also say that uh, you received. Uh, some really great, found out about some really great programming that's going on through Utah Opera. It's true, yes. Uh, uh, everything from uh, Utah Festival Opera, uh, mm-hmm. where they're uh, opera for children by children. Yep. And then a uh, number of other, uh, they also have touring productions, yep. uh, et cetera. So there's some really, really great the, the operate, work. The opera education opportunities here in Utah operate kind of like USF's education mm-hmm. program. Correct. Some of the same goals, uh, some of the same yep. you know mechanisms with, with a tour with yep. children's programming, you know, by children, for children. Yep. And 
I really, I was ignorant. I wasn't aware that they're reaching out to young audiences in exactly the same way that we are. Well, that's, I'm really happy that you're behind this microphone because you are a learner. <laughs> I am. I, I, there's nothing I enjoy more than having my perception blown away and I get to rebuild, you know, the Lego castle of my own ideology all <laughs> up again. And every time that happens, it gets stronger and stronger. Cool. So, yeah. Good. So, so the main reason we're here today is to talk about the Shakespeare competition, which happens here at Utah Shakespeare Festival on the campus of Southern Utah University. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm wondering if, you know, we, I don't want to assume everyone knows what this thing is, right? right? I'm wondering if you can maybe just talk a little about what it is so, so people that might not know understand. Absolutely. Uh, and it's something I'm very passionate about. I would not be here, really, I would not be here without uh, this event. Uh, it was started in 1977 by a wonderful teacher named Ray Jones. Okay. He was a drama teacher in Provo, Utah, mm -hmm. who used to travel all the way to Bakersfield, California and participate in a Shakespeare competition. Yeah. Uh, this stellar drama teacher uh, would stop in Cedar City, spend the night, etc. And he mm -hmm. said to Fred uh, one day, he said, Fred, uh, you need to have a Shakespeare competition. Uh, uh, I go all the way to California. Yeah. We built here. I think the timing is perfect because 1977 is also when they built the Adams Theater. Yep. So in the year that the Adams Theater was built, they also uh, instituted this uh, this beautiful event. And so, uh, uh, and Cedar was built for that, um, and I want to give credit to uh, Ray for the dream, mm -hmm. but it was really Scott Phillips, who is our executive director now, but it was yeah. Scott Phillips who put kind of the logistics together, kind of patterned it after um, the region and state drama competitions, and also after that competition in Bakersfield, California. Gotcha. Um, uh, Ray said, it's perfect. You have actors here. You have this beautiful theater space. Uh, you can come here. And in the first year, there were about 10 schools. Mm -hmm. uh, it quickly grew, uh, 10, 15. There were a lot of Southern Utah, but there were a lot of people from the Wasatch Front who drove down for those, those first initial years. By the time you hit the 80s, we were up to uh, 15 to 20 schools. Mm -hmm. In 1982, the world's smallest Petruchio performed on the stage. That was Michael Barr. Uh, <laughs> I was in high school at the time. Um, received a scholarship to Southern Utah University and changed my life. I yeah. still remember the comments that I got from that professional uh, actor who uh, who adjudicated uh, me at that time. And I wish I knew who he was because I remember him and I remember uh -huh. what he said. Um, just really, really stellar and inviting. And then it's continued to grow and grow until where we're uh, presently. Uh, yeah, 3,000 students, right? Correct. 120 uh, schools? Uh, yeah. It, it, it fluctuates between this year we had 112 uh -huh. and 118 last year. Okay. Fluctuates uh, back and forth. But what it is, uh, it is a celebration of Shakespeare's work. Uh, students come to perform monologues, uh, duo trio scenes, mm -hmm. ensemble scenes. It's also expanded to dance, music. Um, a technical, technical competitions. Yeah. Uh, there was a brief foray into an art competition that we have. We have mm -hmm. uh, music, magicals, and minstrels yeah. all around, focused around Shakespeare. Cool. For, for those that aren't kind of familiar with this sort of competition, you know, in the arts, can you talk a little bit about, since you're now, you're the education director here at the mm -hmm. festival, but you've also been a competitor, you know, as the world's smallest Petruchio a number of years ago. <laughs> right. Can you talk about what it's like uh, to be a student? Oh. Uh, that, that works hard to rehearse, to put something together, and what it's like to put yourself out there at this vulnerable age, but to also get something so generous back. Great. From the amazing actors and judges that, that come here. and Yeah, it's, uh, uh, first of all, uh, and I'm going to talk also as a high, because it, it made an impact uh, for Please, me as yeah. a student, but I'm also going to talk about what it does for the teacher and what a tool it is as a teacher, because yeah. um, basically you start the school year, you've got this whole new crop of kids, 
And if you've got this crop of kids, you essentially have a good month and a half to prepare them to come yeah. down to this event. But what a great way to begin your year because it's foundational. Everything you do during the year mm -hmm. is now based on the lessons that you learned with in preparing for this Shakespeare event. Yep. Uh, and so uh, I, I like to think of Shakespeare as foundational, just like ballet is foundational in uh, dance forms. Yep. Um, Shakespeare is essentially in the DNA of all theatrical performance. Absolutely. Uh, and so if you can master vocal, if you can uh, master kinesthetic body connection, if you can master text and understanding of text and ensemble yeah. interaction, and uh, if you can do Shakespeare, you, you can do anything. After. Yeah. And so um, as a student, and this happened in my own life and also um, as I was a teacher, uh, you essentially have students prepare monologues. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you've got the whole class, 30, 16, 90, 120, however many drama classes yeah. you're doing, all preparing monologues. And some teachers will hand select who's going to come down. The majority actually have kind of mini festivals on their own. Mm -hmm. Everybody performs a monologue, and then they set a deadline, and at a certain time you'll select three that will come and represent the school. Gotcha. Everybody performs duo trio scenes. At a certain time mm -hmm. um, they, they all come down, and then they're adjudicated. And there's something that happens when you perform in a room full of a whole bunch of other students who are also performing Shakespeare. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, if I come and I'm, let's say I'm performing Coriolanus. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a room with somebody else who's performing Puck, somebody else who's performing Hamlet, somebody Absolutely. else is, you know, Leonardo, somebody else. I mean, you've got multiple uh, scenes. So literally at the end of the competition, I will... Even if I don't watch anything else, if I just go to the rooms I'm supposed to be in, I'm going to see and participate in with 18 other students. Yeah. I'm going to have three different judges that are actually going to adjudic adjudicate me and coach me and tell me how I can improve, celebrate the work that I did. Um, and there's something that happens when you're sitting across from Brian Vaughn. Or you're uh -huh. sitting across from David Ivers or Doug Baker or really stellar. Absolutely. I've seen this. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and as a teacher, I love it because those judges are saying the same thing I've been saying for the past month and a half, yeah. preparing for the competition. Yeah. And they'll sit there. The the wonderful professional actor will say something, and my students will turn and look down the down the row at me, and I'll smile at them and say, "Wow, you know, that's what you told us." And so, yeah. hearing it from someone else, and also hearing <laughs> it from three different people, someone will speak the language of that student. Absolutely. I sometimes think of directing as you've got a pack of keys and one key will work for you, but another key will work for this student, another key will work for that student. Yeah, there's no one-size-fits-all approach, no, certainly. No. Uh, and we all articulate that in different ways. And so it's refreshing to hear this very, first of all, it's very subjective art. That yeah. we're in, but there are also standards in this art. I mean, I think we like to think that, uh, I mean, you can tell when there are Impro uh, improvements to be made to a performance. Absolutely. It allows that type of stuff. And the motivation of preparing your work, sharing it with others, yes. uh, having uh, an adjudication from a respected professional. And being exposed to so many other people that are doing the same thing. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if that answers that question. But, Absolutely uh, it does. I, I've also witnessed something magical that happens. Um, and I don't mean to encant, you know, all our favorite 80s uh, formative high school movies, teen years. <laughs> but, but generally in American culture, the theater kids aren't at the top of the hierarchy mm -hmm. necessarily. Yep. And I, I see these kids, um, and I've kind of been a part of this for three years now, uh, between the ages of 13, 14, all the way up to 18 years old. Yep, yep. 
And they come here, and it's like they're in Mecca. They found there were thousands of other people who are just like them, just like them, just like them. And, and some of them, the first second time they come here, it's as if they didn't even know it, it could that world be existed. Like this, that this yeah. world existed, yeah, yeah. And you get the sense that these people may have found a place for for a part of them in a larger context that they might not have had the opportunity to explore Correct. otherwise. Correct. We we. Uh... There's about 3,000. I mean, I think this year we were at, uh, well, what was our exact total? 2,948 students. Mm -hmm. um, but we generally get about 3,000 students. Yeah. So uh, they descend on Cedar City. Yes. They'll fill up every motel, including the motels you know, in St. George and Parawana Beaver and Parawana, yeah. up, on, up in Bryanhead. I mean, they fill up all of that. But to see other peers that are like them mm -hmm. um, is, is refreshing. I also think it opens up, and uh, if there are parents listening, you know, uh, it's fine that you do that in high school, but you can't do that for a career, Johnny. I'm here to say there's multiple career opportunities Absolutely. within this profession. And you may not be an actor. For every one actor, there are seven people that support that one actor. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> don't choose this application unless you're passionate about it and ready to work uh, and train and do everything you have to. But the reality is there are many people who are making a a good, healthy living. That's true. And the skills you learn in this are not just applicable to the theater craft. Absolutely. I was hoping and, you would maybe, because we well, talked about the deep studying of a text, elocution, awareness. Yeah, correct. I mean, there's so yeah, many skills imagery. that... Yeah. Uh, in fact, this happens frequently. Uh, it's a major recruiter for Southern Utah uh -huh. University, obviously. And people would get the impression that uh, there are many students in our theater arts and dance department who... Uh, come here and are recruited because of this event. Absolutely. But every year, I'll be down in the business and finance office, or I will be uh, walking through the student center, and uh, I, I'm, this happens every year. And they say, "I see you're preparing for Shakespeare competition." And yeah. Say, yeah. And I'll look at that that marketing major across the table, or that business, and I'll say, um, are, "Are you a theater major?" And they'll say, "Oh no, 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 uh, business <laughs> or oh no, English, uh, uh, history." Yeah. Um, because another thing happens, too. Um, uh, I'm going to prevent us from getting letters this week, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, put, put it all yeah. out there. So, Disclaimers. So before, yeah. before we say, oh, yes, uh, theater invites. Push your child. Yeah. yeah. Theater invites <laughs> all of those uh, people who aren't accepted anywhere else. Uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, high functioners uh, within this profession as well. It's true. And, uh, and I, I think a very healthy theater department is made up of, well, what I used to say is every child is a theater student. They yep. just don't know it. Yep. Um, in other words, uh, you've got wrestlers, you've got uh, football players, you have uh, academics, you have all of that. Because there is there is a rigor that is demanded in art forms uh, yes. that you don't necessarily get anywhere else. So I'm not surprised when the marketing major sitting behind the business and finance cashier's office desk said, well, I came down here. Really? Well, what did you do? Oh, I did a monologue. Uh, I said, oh, uh, you're a theater major? Oh, no, no, no. Business and finance. Yeah. Uh, and uh, because a lot of times you, you do that. So I actually think we are creating you know, human beings. These are future. These are future lawyers. These are future doctors. Absolutely. Uh, and they're future uh, theater individuals as well. But there's something <clears throat> about the art. There's something I'm very, very passionate about. Uh, in fact, my my thesis was on this uh, that that general ed requirements, where we are forced to take 
literature classes, yeah. humanities classes, history classes, all of the classes that you and I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that kind of liberal arts model, correct, if you will. That liberal arts model is uh, what teaches us how to be human beings. And if you look at all of the major leaders in most of the major corporations, um, they were not specialization majors. Their their undergrads and their graduates were uh, graduate degrees were in in the yeah. humanities because it taught you how to think. It's true. And how I, to communicate. Uh, yeah, yeah. So in reality, yes, we've got this beautiful Shakespeare competition where you take the greatest writer of the English language. Yes. Uh, and the greatest storyteller in the world because these have been translated into multiple languages. And uh, I think he understood what it meant to be a human. And uh, because he understood what it meant to be a human, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> we use that and we cut our teeth on that when we go out yeah. and, and have to learn how to think. Absolutely. And these kids that work so hard on, uh, for instance, their dance routine, a lot of the kids do their own choreography. Yep. And yes. th- what they're doing is filtering uh, you know, a dance routine through some sort of scene in a Shakespeare play, right. essentially. And the critical thinking that must go on, the exploration of Talk about that of event. Situations. I just realized you worked that event, didn't you? Uh, it, it changed my life. It, yeah. Honest to goodness, to see these kids so energized and the, the collaborative spirit of, of combining. You do a dance competition? A dance competition as exactly. part of a Shakespeare competition? Uh, so how, these kids how are does studying that happen? A, they're studying a text uh, critically, and they're filtering it into a, a completely different art form. Yeah. And to see uh, how much work goes in and how energized these kids are yeah. by, uh, like you said, the humanness of it. They're exploring situations, uh, contexts that they might not have experienced in their lives otherwise. Right. But there's a freedom in, in you know, looking through the eyes of uh, Antonio. Yeah. Or looking through the eyes of Iago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and they learn something about themselves, I think. And, and they then, learn how to collaborate. Well, and then I think, uh, and this is what educators will tell you that is, uh, first of all, what is lacking, mm-hmm. but at the same time in, in, in within a school setting. Yeah. But they are the skills that we want to develop. We want to teach students to think creatively. Yeah. And when you take a work of art and you interpret it and tell the story in a different form or mm-hmm. in a different way, like they do within the dance competition. Yeah. I get th- those, those are some of my favorite pieces. To see Julius Caesar uh, depicted, uh, all everyone wearing black, Caesar comes out wearing white, uh, uh, red ribbons of fabric, uh, yeah. the assassination takes place, falling on the floor, they get up uh, covered with ribbons uh, on their hands. I, I mean, yeah. just compelling. And I went, oh, what an inventive way to tell this story. <laughs> and uh, the effect it has on an audience and the effect that it has on the performers. It's true. It's great. I have to tell you something else, too. There's a wonderful teacher named Penny Kaywood. Uh, she does theater for youth at the University of Utah. Has a huge program. She loved, she'd be a great educator to get on this, by the way, too. Okay. Make a uh, note, Joe. Yeah. Uh, but what she does is he, she brings her students down, and it's one of their favorite weekends in the year. And they were literally... Uh, we have workshops and other things, but they'll go from performance place to performance space to performance yeah. space, watching what other directors have done with the pieces of Shakespeare, how they have interpreted each of these pieces. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it fuels conversation about, wow, wasn't this great the way they did this? And look at this acting choice. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's a living laboratory yep. of of uh, of text. It's uh, true. To see how they do that. So. Well, it's a wonderful entry point. We talk a lot about the arts, but it's also, for a lot of these kids, it's one of the first opportunities they have to be on a college campus 
to be a part of that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And really the, that sort of, um, you know, macro level, all these people, theater and dance and, and musicians together at the same time, it really kind of simulates what we try to accomplish at universities by mm -hmm. putting people together and generating dialogue. And I, I can't imagine that, that it, it hurts a kid that's maybe on the fence about pursuing their post-secondary education. Oh, oh, uh, uh. Oh, my my I've got my synapses are going all over the place. I've got so many <laughs> stories right here. But uh, uh, we have um, studies will prove that uh, when a student is on a university's campus, uh -huh. uh, he is more likely to to choose uh, the college education. Yeah. Uh, that's why universities are so eager to get people on the campus because they go, oh, they can visualize themselves seeing that. So you've got that first of all. Yes. It is collegial. It is academic. You're able to see what happens there. What I, all the stories I was going through is the number of anecdotal stories of uh, my favorite story. This is true. Uh, <laughs> men's bathroom. Uh, I, I got this report from a teacher. Uh, people standing at the urinal. Have you got the vision here? Okay. okay. Yeah, we're uh, there. During Shakespeare competition. And people, someone, children, uh, youngsters, no? Youngsters, well, yeah, teenagers. Okay, yeah. 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 And a uh, guy saying, oh, my, I just saw the best scene. It was incredible. It was, it, it was this amazing scene where this girl comes and she's about to chop off this guy's head and he's standing on a molehill. And he says, stand on that molehill and off with his head. And uh, he said, well, what was it? He says, oh, I, I think it was like Henry V or Henry IV or something like that. And underneath the bathroom stall, you hear, it's Henry VI. I mean, where, where, where else, where else can you have that dialogue? It's true. In, in, in a men's bathroom, uh, for that time. So we have that. I, there are a lot of stories of, um, this is their first time away from home, too. Mm -hmm. uh, first time, you can imagine every restaurant in town is filled, uh, uh, and there was a judge who was, uh, eating and saw this mass of, yeah. students and then as they were leaving uh, they said oh, we need to tip yeah we need to tip how much do you tip I, I, I don't know we need to tip this is a <laughs> tip you know as they're having this discussion it's yeah. the first time out um, so how wonderful to have absolutely know, type of first time away from home and uh -huh. with your peers and Shakespeare being the reason so, so what does you mentioned that uh, the adjudicators and, and kind of the people on the other side of this uh, competition are also getting a lot out of this. I'm wondering if you oh. can talk. Uh, I'm an established actor, say, right? Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. I have my uh, equity card. I, I've worked in a, a number of theater companies. I'm successful yep. uh, in this industry. What what do I get out of coming here and interacting with these teenagers? Oh, hope of America. Uh, you get to <laughs> you you get to Don't see. Don't put it mildly, Michael. Yeah, no, you get to see what's coming uh you uh and uh, again so many stories here uh we have actors that come from new york la we pay we fly them out yes. uh, we give them a, a very slight honorarium to have them out there and and then people want to come back because yeah. there's uh these are these are all established artists yes. I, I just want to point out we're not we're not just pulling no. other high school teachers Absolutely. that aren't well and i also involved. i also select artists who are really uh, articulate at sharing and communicating with students yeah. it, it's also tough uh, you've got six students and a room full of about 50 people supporting those six students. Yep. And then you have to spontaneously uh, say something that will change their life. No pressure here. No pressure, uh, no. Not destroy the child, but at the same time encourage them to continue in the art and give legitimate uh, critique there. Yeah. So uh, 
uh, we need to make sure that they have the gifts for for doing that type of thing. But mm -hmm. uh, what it does for them is uh, they're able to see, you know, where the art form is going. Yeah. Uh, they're able to hone their craft as teaching because I actually think as artists, we are teachers. Yeah. Foremost and first. Uh, that's why we call them ourselves teaching artists. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they get that. But there's something very, very exciting about seeing these multiple interpretations of Shakespeare. Absolutely. And uh, I've had people say, you know, I saw someone who had the same problem I had when I was 17. It was so wonderful to be able to mm -hmm. tell them the advice that another teacher gave me. So it's a chance for them to give back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we've got all sorts of wonderful Socrates, Plato moments happening there. <laughs> and I'll, I will frequently see after it's over, someone standing in the hall yeah. talking to an actor. When else do you get that? And I like to say that the walls are really thin here at the festival, not just the competition. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, uh, you can get that at the stage door, but when do you get that, you know, in this hour-long session with these professional actors. Uh, and so because of that, um, we haven't talked about this, sometimes the term Shakespeare competition, what they compete, you know, uh, prizes, there's a lot of um, thought out there, you know, is competition harmful, you know, does it hurt? I'm glad you brought this up, um, yeah. And I'm not sure how much time we have to talk about that because there's numerous studies. Uh, um, Alfie Cohn is a major proponent against uh, competition, saying that it's very detrimental. Uh, I feel that we generate a very positive, um, yeah. incredibly positive, and we have s surveys and tests and studies and that, uh, plus the success of multiple people who are coming back to yeah. this. But I, I, I think it's successful for three reasons. Uh, high quality adjudication, mm -hmm. uh, very level playing field, and a de-emphasis on the competition itself. Now, do we hand away out of first place? Yes. Uh, but our scoring mechanism is really a rubric uh, that uh, measures the individual. Mm -hmm. so you're not just measuring yourself against other, other artists. Yeah. You're actually measuring, uh, I'm having some problems with elocution right now. I, I need to work on my text work. I yeah. need to... Uh, my inflection, uh, my intonation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some, and and that's what that rubric or that standard that we measure them against. Then we also have a wonderful event called Shakespeare Showcase, where we have uh, adjudicators <clears throat> select stellar work yeah. that they think everybody should see. Has nothing to do with rankings. Has nothing to do with first place, second. And uh, it's about choosing things to expose people to. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so we'll get some wonderful avant-garde work. Uh, um, Deaf students performing mm -hmm. uh, scenes, uh, a really vigorous, uh, you know, scene from um, Coriolanus. It's the second time I've said Coriolanus today. Uh, uh, <laughs> that Richard the Third, or, or or something that yeah. would not necessarily be seen. And the three theaters are just completely packed. Uh huh. And it and it's more of a celebration about wow, this is great work. Yeah. Instead of that, and I think that takes that. Well, the word, the word competition, as you touched on, it doesn't begin to describe what really happens here. No. If you're here for those, you know, two, three days uh, during the competition, these thousands of kids energized and working their tails off, right. you can almost forget that there's first, second, third place awarded here. Right. The most important outcomes are the things you're talking about. Right. The skills these kids gain, this, the, the ability to work together to accept feedback. Yeah, uh, you know, when I was an undergraduate student, one of the big outcomes was teaching people how to be good, engaged citizens. Right. And these kids sitting there, you know, on their hands sometimes uh, receiving the judges' feedback, they learn something about right. 
taking criticism right. and about dialogue. And that it's okay. And that it's okay. To and, take criticism. And the it's point okay. is improving ourselves. Right. right. And I can't imagine that uh, you know teenagers have that many experiences that, that teach the same skills. Right. So, so it's uh, I I think there's a study and I can't get the name out right now. Uh, anyway, he calls it true competition. It's a Google it, uh, Google true competition. Basically, he talks about the Greek ideal that when uh, two competitors came uh, against each other. They respected the man across the field from them, mm-hmm. and uh, their goal was to be their best self and this act of yeah. competing against oneself, which is not what's happening in some competitive fields where, where you're hoping for the other man to fail. Uh, and that doesn't happen here. You don't, no, you don't no, no. oh, I hope he forgets a line. I've never seen that happen. I've seen a whole room burst into applause when they see yeah. uh, a girl weeping over... Uh, her son that has been killed within this scene. And, and these are multiple people coming from multiple places, and they've all been there because they've just spent the last two months preparing for this chance to share. It's true. So, uh, And two months is a lot longer time to somebody that's 17 years old correct. than to somebody that's, you know, my age. Correct. This, this is so... The amount of work they put into it from their perspective. Right. <clears throat> you know, while they're students in high school, they have everything else going on, and... Uh, let's be frank, a really difficult time in anyone's life, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, Shakespeare talks about all of it. Absolutely. It's all there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so every single little thing you're going through as a little teenager yeah. is exactly, and I'm saying everything that you're going through as an adult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he covered the, the whole spectrum of human experience. Totally. So uh, you might as well saturate yourself with what it means and, uh, and once you have that foundation, yep. you can do anything. You can do anything. Uh, people with a, this background, I have a lot of confidence in when they're sitting around a boardroom table, you know, when they're presenting at a conference and whatever their field might be. Mm-hmm. There's skills that, like you said, apply to anything you can imagine in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we're probably close to out of time. I wish we could talk about the importance of arts education. Maybe uh, when we get Paula involved, we, yeah, we, we can we, have that talk. Absolutely. <clears throat> Paula and, and others, there's there's multiple. And have to, I was talking to you about this before the podcast started. Yeah. Uh, there have been wonderful studies uh, that have that the one predictor in arts attendance when they are 45, 50, 70, 32, 25, the one predictor is yep. did they participate in art education as a child? Yep. And if they participated in arts education as a child, they will participate as an adult, which means we've got to protect yep. and uh, get multiple arts education. Uh, Literacy is also tied to arts participation as absolutely. a child. Yeah. So yeah. this is important stuff, uh, even to those uh, you know who might not understand necessarily what what we're trying to accomplish. Correct. Right. Thank you so much, Michael Barr. I could sit here and talk to you for uh, the rest of the day <laughs> if we could do well, so. Likewise, and uh, celebration to uh, Joe Joe Nemro, the the producer. That unsung hero sitting there in silence behind the headphones. It's true. Uh, the, this, that man's the genius of this podcast. He is, and, and he's uh, my best cheerleader. When I have my worst moments, he's the one that may, picks me up and makes me feel like, okay, I belong in this chair in oh, front of this do. microphone. And he can edit you out, too, as it's well. It's true. <laughs> yeah, there's a security there. <laughs> so hats off to Joe Nemro. Well done. Uh, Thanks we, for listening. We encourage anyone who might be in the Cedar City region uh, over the, the sort of end of the week, weekend of the Shakespeare competition to come to campus and pick up on the energy and then the magic that's going on we here. We didn't even talk about what uh, all those plays that they attend. It's true. There, there are uh, arts patrons who choose to come on this weekend because they are sold-out performances. I did. I saw Twelfth Night. They are kids. energized. Yeah. And you will hear 
uh, things in those plays you will never hear anywhere else. Not because it's just the audiences, but they are, they're like living groundlings. And uh, the performers on stage feed off of that energy. Uh, it's you can like see a rock it. concert. It's, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. Okay, we got to shut it down. Thank you, Michael <laughs> Barr. Thank you, John Emro. Thank you, audience, for listening. Thank you for listening to the Play On Podcast. Please tell us what you thought of this series, and if you have questions or comments, please email them to podcast at bard.org or tweet us at playonutshakes. As you noticed in this episode, we love to hear from you. <laughs>